This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hansen. Thurley Ruxton by Philip Virrell Miguels. Chapter 28 The Car of Fates. New York has a record for sunny December afternoons, but none to excel the beauty of that particular one deserving to be long remembered by many abroad in the park. Stiverin's car arrived in front of Alice Van Kirk's a little after two, Stiverin sitting at his chauffeur's side while the man tooled the big shining car to a standstill at the curb. Uh, meet me here to take it home about four-thirty, Robley instructed. Let the motor run. The man alighted after his master saluted, looked the purring mechanism over with a critical eye, and walked away. Stiverin ran up the steps of the mansion, but did not enter, as thoroughly met him at the door. She was furred from boots to crown in the richest Russian sable, the garment a masterpiece of tailoring for grace and ease of movement. It seemed to Stiverin he had never seen her wondrous brown eyes so softly beautiful, her brows so delicately arched, her color so brilliant and changeful. The smile on her curving lips was exquisitely lovely. She seemed the very embodiment of daintiness and strength together, a supple young goddess, chosen by beauty and magnetic energy, to be their royal expression. "'You're really going to let me drive? You meant it?' she asked him delightedly. "'I was so afraid you'd alter your mind, after all.' Where you're concerned, I haven't one to alter, he assured her, smilingly, conveying a truth and a jest. Haven't you noticed that before? Oh, how could I notice the functions of your mind, if it doesn't exist, she replied to him archly, and if what you say is true, it wouldn't be polite to observe it anyway. He too smiled. Polite or not, I trust you'll notice my happiness this afternoon, and make up your mind it ought to be cultivated regularly. They had come to the car, and she was stepping to take the driver's seat. Is your happiness such an anemic plant, or merely some sort of frail exotic? Oh, it could stand its knocks, he responded cheerfully. In fact, it does, constantly but it thrives in sunshine naturally. She speeded up the motor and adjusted the speed-controlling lever. In which, of course, it is quite distinct from any other person's happiness, she answered with another of her smiles. It's the only one of its kind. It's the only one I have, he said, as she slipped in the clutch and the car began to move. And you control the sun. "'Wouldn't it be horrid to be the ice trust?' she asked him in mock gravity. "'Think of the blighted little bits of happiness, then. Where shall we go?' "'Oh, let's follow the wand of pleasure.' "'Oh, I very much prefer to follow the roads. Wherever you wander, then, they lead you back again.' Then choose the longest, the one that comes back by the devious windings of the proverbial shortest way home. 
i don't believe i shall notice where we go i'm sure i shan't care so long as the golden sunshine continues they were rolling down the avenue with others of their kind you must be home the minute the sun goes down on the contrary i'd go on like this forever oh you'd tire of motoring finally if motors became immortal you'd ache for wings or a little golden aeroplane with the harp strapped on the on behind suppose he said you were the final arbiter the goddess in control and you knew i was aching for anything would you really wish to be kind what what would you do for that ache um advise a mustard plaster said thoroughly persistently unwilling to be anything but lightly responsive to his queries and his hints oh and a hot water bag if you felt a chill in your feet oh lord he groaned this isn't an auto it's a hospital don't you know that doctors aren't human beings neither is a final arbiter she answered it sounds more like a brindle terrier i shouldn't care to be one please down the length of the avenue as far as the plaza entrance to the park where the gilded statue of sherman his horse and the goddess of victory were glinting in the sun she drove pursued behind by one of the big green motor-buses that buzzed like a giant insect they were preceded also by carriages and cars in rapidly increasing numbers a little of the park to begin with anyway she said and then perhaps out in the country you'll have to direct me as to the rose as soon as we leave the crowd the new york crowd is hard to leave he told her sagely they invade all the country and all abroad and have their eyes on mars but i should say round the park then over by riverside drive and the uh, the world is practically spread before us for exploration out beyond thoroughly swung into the brilliant procession that flowed like a stream through the highways of new york's superb oasis and a hundred necks were craned as car and carriage occupants turned to stare at the girl like a figure of beauty at the wheel it isn't uh, much like our first little trip together stivert continued presently i don't suppose we'll ever be able to duplicate the excitement and-and all, all the rest of that would you like to try it with your second wrist she inquired don't you think you're sufficiently interesting as you are i shall soon have this one out of the hospital he answered when i hope for the pleasure of doing my share of the work such energizing elixir was in the air as made the speed and distance restrictions of the park a species of aggravation eagerly thoroughly gazed out ahead her faculties largely centered on the guidance of the car she had neither time nor self-consciousness to be aware of the scores of curious and admiring beings who passed them and forgot all else in watching her animated beauty here and there a carriage or an auto glided by with acquaintances recently encountered some thoroughly saw and acknowledged with a smile others were wholly unobserved in her preoccupation with driving Faishi was one of those who passed 
staring and grimacing actively only to be lost a moment later without having drawn so much as a glance he was storming inwardly with rage at stiverant an impotent emotion that heightened his own desire thoroughly began her deviation from robley's program as soon as the change was practicable she guided the car from the western exit of the park at the north northern end in sight of the giant bones and skeleton of the great cathedral of st john the divine drove straight up past the mighty structure then over to the river and the drive presently passing the tomb of grant and continuing on to the huge steel viaduct that spans a great harlem ravine what shall we achieve if we keep this direction long enough she finally asked of her companion is this the road to boston yonkers said stiverant albany finally if we keep on straight and buffalo afterward or anything you like sleepy hollow is out in this direction after yonkers uh, you couldn't promise me a sight of dear old rip van winkle out in the emersonian glades i can show you poe's cottage in the bronx he answered smilingly there's the picture of uh, the crow on the gable the raven she declared no it's a crow he persisted the sort one doesn't hanker after at that uh, shall i show you the road and let you see oh let's just ride she said and some way it gladdened his heart just the friendly comrade way she said it smiling in his eyes they rode toward yonkers out along the last encroachments of the monster city with its blocks of houses tramping down the grass and the trees and even the rocks of the once green manhattan island beneath the far part of the subway railroad structure here built like the old older-fashioned elevated road and finally over the bridge that spans the harlem river isolating new york from the mainland of the long and slender peninsula and so ran on through van cortland park where golfers were straying on the green they turned to the right at Stiverant's direction after coming to hill-built Yonkers Town and roved through open stretches of country, where, with the grass still green and trees all stark, there was merely a ghostly suggestion of the recent autumnal beauty. Far over to the eastward they encountered the old-time Boston Road, where the post-chase once made its lumbering way from the dutch of new amsterdam to the pilgrims of new england out here on the borders of pelham bay there were cars in unexpected numbers endlessly humming up and down the splendid thoroughfares in idle pursuit of pleasure the sun was inclining westward when at length they turned to head for the town and home down through the long straight stretch of jerome avenue they came upon cars in all manner of haste and colour some of them crowded others occupied by a single being only and the vast majority like themselves bound homeward to escape the chill already suggested in the air thoroughly had pushed her throttle up a notch and advanced the spark sufficiently to accelerate their speed to a pace only just within the limit of the law then she and stiverant were startled by a strange piercing cry of warning 
from the rear, just as their car shot in upon a mile or more of narrowed road, where excavations and upthrown earth occupied half of the highway's ordinary width. Stiverant turned, and thoroughly saw the blanching of his face, even before she could take part of a second necessary to cast one look behind. A rare and horrifying thing had happened. A car built for racing, with three helpless children sitting in the rear, was plunging down the crowded road with all the madness of a runaway locomotive, its driver suddenly stricken with death at the wheel. One of his hands still lingered on the throttle, and spark, which a jolt as he died, had thrown forward. The other hand had fallen at his side. He sat in apoplectic rigidity, his glassy eyes staring unseeingly before him, his attitude that of some grim nemesis, severe as stone, pursuing his living fellow-beings as if for company on the long dark avenue into the great unknown he was going like the wind nearly a dozen cars had shot veered and skidded from his path before the warning cry had come so far as thurley's ears the children that rode with the grim chauffeur were screaming in agonized horror women's shrill trebles pierced the air above the hoarser shouting of men by a series of things mysterious and not to be expected the death-driven car did not swerve madly from the beaten track and crash into the trees at the side of the road or into the equally fatal and thickly planted iron trolley posts lying down through the centre of the highway it came on rocking and swaying drunkenly like a thing of life diabolically intent upon destruction the horror of the spectators who felt rather than saw that the driver was a corpse had been centred on fear for the children thrown about in the tonneau in sickening violence a few had feared for themselves before they could dart from the monster's path and feel it rocket by now of a sudden the alarm increased not only were the children in danger of instant death through collision with any of the numerous obstacles along the path but every one chasing in wild pursuit became aware of the car ahead the car was thoroughly and stivrant hedged in the narrower earth-banked road none able to dodge to the side we're in for it now said robley quietly you'll have to race to escape it thoroughly glanced behind again and then at the road ahead we can't pick up the speed she said calmly enough making every possible move to give her more power and some trolley cars are blocking ahead and a danger flag or something in the way good god those children muttered stiverant it's they or us or maybe both in spite of all we can do he expected that he and thurley would be saved not by their possible speed ahead but rather by some frightful plunge the comet behind them must presently make with no sentient control of the wheel but still by that singular perversity of inanimate things the runaway mechanism clung to the road as if some unseen ghostly hand was laid to guide it to the deadly course and reap a greater harvest gaining stivrant cried in helpless horror 
while thoroughly bending every energy to urge the car faster and faster abruptly saw a mass of rock and earth debris piled up from a broken water main across her only course they shot past the first of the trolley cars stalled on the tracks and were in a cul-de-sac passengers conductor and motorman shrieked as they saw the impending doom where the dead man's chariot held lurchingly almost malignantly to the road and crept upon the rear of robley's car stivert was kneeling in his seat helplessly transfixed by the awful stare of the dead man's face now a few rods only away he had never seen anything more frightful more repellent in his life a fearful intensity had set its mark on the mask of death till the face bore a look of murderous hate which chilled the blood in robley's veins thoroughly stood up or half stood up by the wheel i'm going to let it strike she cried it's the only way she meant the racer was bound to overtake them despite her utmost efforts disaster blocked the road ahead the machine behind them had gone amuck and death was at the helm she dared not slack to receive the blow her only hope was to hold her speed and so accept the impact with as small a jar as such momentum would allow she was glancing alternately out ahead to steer and behind to receive the plunging comet of steel and force so madly hurtling upon them her face as grey as stone inch by inch the fire belching engine of doom was creeping up in their dust it struck a bump of something in the road lurching horribly over struck another that instantly righted in forward wheels and leaped onward as if angered by delay forward backward thurley's glance was flung and then with a sudden twisting of the wheel she swerved aside for the breadth of a hand and the monster behind rammed viciously up against her car its headlamp shattered with a crash of glass and metal its two front wheels as it were closely sandwiched with the rear ones of stiverant's machine while its radiator crumpled on the springs and tonneau of the flying obstacle encountered there was one huge jolt which sat thoroughly down but her hands were still glued to the wheel she kicked off her clutch and lightly applied her brake her own motor disconnected from the driving gear raced in the wildest uproar she held to the road thrusting harder on the brake till presently driven only by the madly ramming machine behind she was halting the interlocked cars the weight of her own big tour was slowing the racer at the rear to impotent snarling and inertia when stivert clambered heedlessly over the tonneau and all but leaped to the car where the dead man sat and stilled the laboring motor ahead they had barely another hundred yards of road sufficiently open for the race thoroughly sank limberly into her seat as weak and white as a towel yet she faintly smiled as stivert cast her a look from his place where the children were safe she had performed a masterpiece of receiving and cushioning a collision which something akin to a miracle had cheated of its prey end of chapter twenty eight